us for curious minds. And here's your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening, and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy author of it's not aliens it's worse it's us if you are interested <laughs> in contributing to the show go to my website everything imaginable 2020.com and you'll find everything you need there and now without further ado our guest for today is leslie mitchell clark and she is a hypnotist thank you for coming on today it is a pleasure to be here, Gary, and um, I would like to thank you for the work that you are doing and, you know, opening up these doors and providing, you know, arcane information for, as you said, curious minds. We are curious people, humanoids. We certainly are. Thank you. I do my best. Um, so I was looking at um, some of the stuff on your profile and, um, you know, two things really stuck out with me. One is... Um, the um, hypnotism that you've done on people who have had abduction encounters or experiencers, and it looks like you've also done some past life regression as well. Yes, um, I first became, <clears throat> excuse me, a certified uh, clinical hypnotherapist probably about 20 years ago now. So it was a um, a calling that came to me a little bit later in life after having been involved in mostly show business previous to that. Um, and of course, I, I did have to spend, you know, quite a bit of time in training, um, just doing what you would call, you know, straight ahead, basic hypnosis, you know, and, the, you know, dealing with the kinds of problems that we as people have, uh, you know, addictions, sadnesses, depressions, anxiety, you, you name it, insomnia, all of those things I dealt with for some years. And then when it was appropriate, um, I studied with, um, you know, the really wonderful uh, Dr. Georgina Cannon. No relation to Dolores Cannon, but the same type of, same type of wonderful person. I know that I knew it was, I could feel it coming. <laughs> But uh, Georgina Cannon was the founder of the Ontario uh, School of Hypnosis, and she is the author of many books on uh, past lives, and I was blessed to learn from her. And um, she was a student of Michael Newton, so it was really a, you know, I've really gotten a direct line to what I would have to say are the most current um, uh, techniques that we use uh, for past life regression. So um, I had been practicing, <clears throat> excuse me, past life regression for really a while. And um, at the clinic where I was working, I don't believe I was yet working on my own. If I was, it was sporadic, but I was working at a clinic. And about once a month, uh, someone would call in uh, with 
you know, wanting to see a regressionist because they had had, you know, they believed that they had had some type of a encounter of high strangeness. They have missing memory, missing time. Usually it would be that kind of thing where there was an isolated chunk of time and, and, and odd high strangeness on either end of it. So nobody else, no one else in the clinic, none of these other wonderful practitioners wanted anything to do with that. However, it had already long been my goal to adapt past life regression techniques to work with experiencers. I was drawn to that, uh, having had an experience of my own some years ago when I was about 16. So um, uh, I began <clears throat> happily accepting these wonderful people. And I think one of the most surprising things, uh, maybe to some of your listeners, is that this you know, this phenomena, uh, if you wish to call it that, of um, uh, extraterrestrial contact crosses all uh, <clears throat> imagined boundaries of class and race and religion and ethnicity. <clears throat> this phenomena has happened to diverse peoples throughout the world, in my opinion, since the dawn of time. Hmm. So, so that's, uh, what happened to you when you were 16? Well, uh, do you want to hear this story? It's 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 uh, it's a little out there. I have to I, hear I, this I, story. I, okay, okay. Um, I do discuss this in my recent book, but I'll give you I'll I'll I'll, I'll cut out a lot of my uh, fancy uh, um, adjectives. Okay. <laughs> uh, that being Irish, that ought to take up at least a third of it. Get rid of at least a third of it. So there you go. But anyway, um, I was uh, a young actress, and I had what you would call my first really professional job as a company member of um, a, uh, a summer stock theater called the Black Hills Playhouse. Now, the Black Hills are, the Black Hills are in South Dakota, and it's a very uh, fascinating part of the world. Not only is, does it have all kinds of unique geophysical formations, there are huge loads of gold of all sorts and it is sacred territory to the Lakota people yeah I, and I think that's one of the reasons that Mount Rushmore exists as, mm -hmm. as, a, as, a, as an expression of dominance over the Native Americans because that that mountain I think is called the Seven Sisters and it's sacred to the Lakota people where you know the Rushmore heads are today anyway that's where I was <clears throat> and in the company was uh, was a gal who it, at the time I w was much older and much more experienced. I mean, she must have been thirty. Wow, you know, she was <laughs> she was about thirty, and uh, she was a, a really gifted singer. She worked in um, uh, Vegas. She lived in Nevada. Also raised horses, and we became quite good friends. And after after a while i mean i knew there was something unusual about her i i would have to say i knew that and after a while she confided in me that um she had a whole other life where she worked for the government uh in communication with et's so apparently at that time and we're talking 1972 73 around there at that time you know the government the acknowledged government was um you know rounding up psychic people or people who have experience with remote viewing i suppose or anything else and we're you know flying them out to 
Uh, it might have been Dulce, it might have been Dreamland, who knows, out to one of the bases where these individuals would work in ET contact. And uh, she further told me, you know, she said, well, that's what I'm doing here this summer. You know, I, I wanted, I want out. I don't want to do this anymore. It's exhausting and it never stops. I can't turn it on and off is what she conveyed to me. So, you know, this was startling information, but, uh, you know, I had already seen Chariots of the Gods, so I was totally open to anything and everything. I accepted her story. <laughs> she was a lovely person. Now, that, that summer, um, every time that we went in to town, and you know, so we were in Rushmore State Park, and the nearest town was the little town of Custer, South Dakota. So it was a mountainous uh, mountainous route, no light. So every time we drove to town, especially at night, um, we saw craft following her. Um, so I cannot tell you how many times I saw unidentified aerial phenomena and sometimes even close enough to perceive shape. And these weren't cigar shaped or, or, or the Tic Tac. These were uh, really more of your classic or at least the way they were appearing to me, your classic flying saucer. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they were close enough where I could even perceive windows or light of some sort. So that went on all summer long. Now, uh, near the end of the season, um, I was, uh, I happened to be lounging outside the snack bar, which was something I did really well. So I'm lounging out there. <clears throat> and uh, I was right, um, I was right, directly across from our girl's dorm where where my friend had her living quarters and me too and oddly you know in a company of like 300 people i was the only one there like just sort of hanging out and having a pop or whatever i was doing so um what i saw happen is i saw a car at what i considered a high speed pull into the roundabout in front of our 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 uh, theater and grounds and it was a um uh, even at that time it was extremely anachronistic it it, it it i don't think it had quite the the wings that we associate from the early 60s but it was pretty much like that it was a classic men in black car although i would not have known to identify it as such mm -hmm. at that time it was some kind of a, like a Chrysler Imperial, something like that. So the car pulls around and parks right in front of our dorm. And then two individuals get out of the car. Now, again, there's no one else around but me. And these individuals, well, first of all, they're dressed like refugees from a, from a, a George Raft film. You know, they've got, they've got suits with... I don't think they were striped, but they had padded shoulders. They were wearing fedoras. And um, and the other strange thing is is that um, <clears throat> they really high, like like high waters, and they were wearing shoes that looked like giant orthopedic shoes. Uh, you know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it, it was it was almost and I have to wonder now, boy, was there some gravity issue going on here? Uh, but there and this and I could see I was only 25 feet away from them. I could see the skin and the skin looked 
like plastic. I don't know any other way to describe it. You know, a kind of plastic we wouldn't have had in the 70s. You know, so at any rate, they, they went into her room and um, I, I, I wasn't feeling fearful until they went into her room. It was almost as if I was entranced myself. I, I, and I kind of snapped uh, out of it, as it were, when they went into her room. And I began to get worried. And then I decided, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bust in there. And, you know, that's my 16-year-old brain, no frontal lobe. You know, what was I going to do, wave my tuna sandwich at them or something? So <laughs> from that stack bar, it might have been frightening enough. I don't know. But at any rate, um, just as I was about to, to, to make my big move and bust in the door, they exited, just exited. I heard I had heard no yelling or anything weird at all. It was maybe... I don't know how long it was, but I'm thinking it was about 10 minutes. But again, my sense of time could be distorted. So they pulled out and peeled away off into uh, uh, Rushmore State Park. And um, so then I went in and I, and, and I said, you know, my God, what was that? What, what, did, what did I just see? And she explained, she said, this, this was just more pressure from the government, from our government. Uh, to um, and and some kind of mild threatening to get me to come back and work for the program. And uh, she said, "I'm not bothered by it. It's all okay. Don't worry. I'm fine." And and that was the end of it. So that was a lot of very high strangeness for one summer. Um, so as you can see, I was already predisposed. Yeah. Uh, to this arcane matter, you know, all arcane matter. So, so when I came to work uh, in in this area, it was a, I believe that it was part of my journey. That you know, part of my purpose here in life is to work with these dear people, and and that ex and that disclosure as we want it, as we dream of it, like in the day the Earth stood still. That kind of disclosure, I don't believe, is going to happen. I believe that the that the um, uh, the various ETs that we engage with have been frustrated by attempts to work with the governments of our world, and disclosure, and the new, you know, the new era that is coming is coming through experiencers as channels, as intermediaries between humanity and benevolent ETs. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just having this conversation about that with Preston Dennett last night. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, about we can't rely on the government to disclose. So in a lot of ways, it's like the ETs themselves are slowly doing it themselves through experiencers mm -hmm. and trying to bring out some type of age of awareness or enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. I completely believe that because experiencers, as I mentioned to you earlier, are a diverse group that represent all of us. It's not just white middle-class people or, you know, as the, as the media would have us believe, you know, uh, crazy, you know, Southerners from the deep South with one tooth out in the swamp. You know, they, they're really fond of painting an experiencer that way. Yeah. Uh, me, the media is. But I'm telling you, that is not the reality. And 
uh, actually my uh, my next book that I'm going to write is is about these experiencers specifically and I'm calling it midwives of disclosure and um, it's my belief that this is what's happening and I don't know if you know Gary are we uh, that um, you know my work with experiencers one unique thing that's come up in the past recent years maybe past five years is I have been working with many individuals who believe that they were part of the uh, secret space program or uh, the, the 20 and back, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And um, it all began with Randy Kramer. He was the first individual that I worked with, Captain Randy Kramer. And then since then, uh, many people who, of course, are not in the media spotlight, but who are suffering from a very unique type of PTSD that has been caused by uh, this 20 and back service um, to the world governments. So it's my belief also, I'm, I'm very pro-veteran, I'm very pro-caring um, uh, for and honoring the individuals who have served their country, even in unpopular wars right. like the Vietnam War. I, yeah. I, that's one of my things and as a hypnotist hypnotherapist i work a lot in ptsd and um i think we have thousands upon thousands of individuals who served not just their country but their world and are unacknowledged and uh were disrespected in the sense that their that their memories were blocked for 20 years and uh this is um this may be a little far out, but I'm telling you the things that I have heard um, and and the honesty of the people communicating with me in the trance state, um, to me, that is un- undeniable. So is the secret space program, is that kind of like the My Labs? Yes, that's part of it. It's a very diverse kind of a tentacled uh, a situation, you know, the origins of, I, I believe that the origins of the secret space program go all the way back to the Roswell crash. And uh, apparently um, at that time, uh, there there was at least one ET survivor from that crash. And uh, they made a diplomatic agreement with then President Truman and that government that in exchange for technology that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't hurt us, but in exchange for technology, um, they they wanted to have permission to to take a certain amount of human beings to harvest genetic material and related things like that. So there was an agreement in play, and if, and if anyone is any of your your listeners are particularly interested in this time period in the beginning of all this, uh, there's a marvelous book called The Day After Roswell by Philip Corso, who was yeah. the who was the officer who in fact was in charge of what they called the Department of Foreign Technology. <laughs> so it was foreign all right. <laughs> it was foreign all right. And then, you know, and then it was the old confused. You know, this is how it still works today. They divide everything up. So 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 say the, you know, fiber optics went to the Hughes Skunk Works. Um, you know, the malleable metals went here. Uh, uh, Velcro went here, you know, so everything was sort of parceled out, but under the umbrella of the Department of Foreign Technology. And this agreement then uh, led into the Eisenhower years. And at some point, this 
secret space program, if you will, became a huge um, uh, secretly funded, not responsible to anyone type of organization. Right. And, um, uh, you know, and it's not just, in fact, uh, so Randy Kramer, I know, did tell me, he said, I don't believe that there is a uh, organized government in the world that is not involved in, in, our, in our global uh, space program already. That's interesting. Because I also know, like, there's a story about the Eisenhower Treaty as well. It's the same treaty carried over. It had to be renewed actually, every ten years. It, it, yes, and then it ex- and then finally there was an expiration, at, which is why at this present time, um, the people that I am uh, treating, um, uh, they're not coming to me with the kinds of stories of having sperm extracted or ova extracted or other horrible things going on a lot of the times the beings involved are humanoid practically indistinguishable from us mm-hmm. so um that 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 very you know disturbing time came to an end and the uh, the zeta reticulites i believe they were the greatest from zeta reticuli the same beings that kidnapped betty and barney hill the zeta reticulites they honored their word and that was the end of it hmm. So only once in a while, uh, when I get someone maybe my own age, and we're going back, do I hear those kinds of really disturbing stories? But they are, by our timeline, way in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My understanding was, you know, a- after the Eisenhower Treaty, like maybe like one or two other presidents were involved. And then he transferred it over to like the Majestic Twelve, and mm-hmm. and now it's all some type of you know I don't know who it is now. We don't know. We know it's it's international. Um, we know that we have you know we have a training base on on the moon, and we also have operations on Mars, and have for a long time. And that also Mars has been terraformed from the information that I'm hearing. In other words, when we see pictures released by NASA of Mars, they're fooling around with like the color of the sky. The sky is actually blue. And, you know, apparently when you first get there, and again, this is from, this is not my uh, confabulation. These are things that I've heard from people who have been stationed there. Apparently when you first get to, you know, Mars base, it's an adjustment of uh, like thinness of oxygen, very similar to if you suddenly move to uh, Lake Tahoe that is, you know, 10,000 feet above sea level. So you have to use oxygen when you're outside, but eventually, uh, eventually we adapt. And the terraforming has been going on in Mars also since the 50s. So it's, um, things are not what they seem. And, um, and I believe that we engage with so many different beings. In fact, the late Paul Hellyer, I don't know if you recall him, a sweet, wonderful man. He was at one time the Minister of Defense of Canada, mm-hmm. and he was also um, uh, uh, the, the Vice Premier of Ontario. Anyway, he, he told me before he passed that from his knowledge, there were at least 80 species of beings that uh, the Canadian government was dealing with and had treaties with. 
and that's just Canada. So, I mean, we're talking about an amazing galaxy out there and um, all kinds of beings, most of which are benevolent and have spiritually gotten to a higher vibrational level where we, you know, but, but they want us to clean up our own backyard, to clean up our mess. I mean, look at us infighting about vaccines. You know, look at us, you know, letting, letting children starve in third world nations. I mean, we are terrible. You know, it's just like what you said. It's, it's not aliens. It's worse. It's mm-hmm. us. It's the humans. This is, this is kind of the message that, that, that these dear people I work with keep getting over and over and over and over again. We want you to join us. But right now, you're just too, you're just too rough and ready to participate fully in, uh, you know, the United, <laughs> Gene Roddenberry, United Federation of Planets or whatever, you know, whatever's going on, whatever it's called. So in your hypnosis sessions, have you encountered any people that have been to these places on the moon, in Mars? And when you were transported to these places, what I've heard is they're using stargates, not spaceships. Yes, um, they are. It's it. They they are using stargates, but I have almost always been told that when they first, um, uh, when when a big troop ship first goes to moon base for basic training, it's on the the TR three one of the big triangular ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does pass through you know vortices and apertures you know to get where to get even to the moon so that's that can be a super quick trip you know that's uh and then um that is, i i completely agree that um that there are um warps in space time through which we can travel and they are known to many sophisticated beings and super luminal travel faster than the speed of light and also these types of uh, wormholes that are uh, negotiable uh, that allows a lot of transport from very distant places to be doable Hmm. how about um, beings that just travel around without even using a craft just by using their consciousness oh yeah well that's that's something I was just actually going to going to mention, um, you know, because what is faster than the speed of light, the speed thought. of thought? And there are beings that can project themselves so well holographically, uh, in a sense, that it's a real true bilocation. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, for instance, um, and this is not a famous person, but this is a really lovely experiencer that I have been working with who in fact was part of not only um, the secret space program but some type of a super soldier program which involved genetic enhancement enhancements however um, this uh, this uh, great person his name is Carl he's done radio so I'm going to say his name so Carl um, has a kind of a, a mentor or a kind of a being that's been with him uh, throughout his whole uh, training and cadet program, which began as a child in his case. 
and the being is an insectoid, surprisingly, that has a name uh, or a kern is what is what um, is what Carl calls him, and and sometimes kern would appear on craft to teach or whatever and would be physically present, but most of the time, kern was kern was projecting holographically, and in such a way that he appeared completely physical the only difference is Carl says is he would appear to be kind of floating on a platform and that was the only difference so I have no doubt that there are beings that can manipulate um, light matter uh, to appear as craft or they can project themselves I think it's I think there's more of that than I ever realized before Gary, I think that I am now hearing about more and more of that type of um, uh, spiritual. Uh, well, maybe that's the wrong. Well, let's just call it, you know, bilocation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem um, people, more people are coming accepting that some of the paranormal things that people experience may also have something to do with extraterrestrials. I think as above, so below, you know, and um, one, oh, one thing you might find this interesting, I don't always talk about this, but as you know, we, I do past life regressions mm -hmm. and also interlife regressions. And in an interlife regression, we explore um, what the individual goes through before they come back into uh, uh, physical life in their current incarnation. So we quickly, when we do this process, we regress someone to their most recent life that they lived, and then right. we take them through the death experience, and then they're in the interlife, preparing to come into what we call the present time. And in this dimension, um, of of a type of heaven because it is wonderful where we our real home our spiritual home there are many beings walking around that share these spiritual dimensions with us that are not fully homo sapiens sapiens in other words there's nothing too far out nobody too far out but it's not unusual to see beings that are maybe blue or have enlarged skulls or you know it's all kind of a humanoid thing but the fact is that we are in a soul group with many different types of beings that are very similar to us in in so many ways we all have souls and so um you know i found that very interesting because when we think when in our in our religions of the of the in the, our religious um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for sects on mm -hmm. this world you know yes they can say well there are angels in heaven you know that's where the angels live but the idea that that heaven is not exclusive to humanoids I find absolutely fascinating and also as you might imagine in regular old past life regression it's not unusual for a a uh, client to regress to a life that they spent as one of these ets on another planet they'll describe the they'll describe the topography and what they look like and they say oh i see three suns or you know i mean it's it's quite fascinating but 
a lot of people that I've worked with have had also lifetimes on other planets in similar ballpark, similar bodies to what we are like now. Hmm. Interesting. You know, um, like one of my usual guests is um, Reverend Michael Carter, and he talks mm-hmm. a little bit about, um, you know, that type of thing. And um, when you when you mentioned like like the inner life, though, one of the things that that, that there's a couple of things that always come up. Um, one is the um, is like you mentioned the the, the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is. Um, like some type of agreement that is made for each mm-hmm. lifetime. Mm-hmm. Is, is you have, have you come across that? Is that really every happening? time? Every time. In fact, you know, some of the great work that Michael Newton did is that he was able to consolidate the points of commonality that most of us have when we cross over into into spirit. You know, we're we're greeted. We we meet our friends and family, and then. Um, and then, you know, other things happen. But one of the primary things that everybody ex- experiences is they go before the council to help plan their their next uh, journey into, you know, the in, into human life. And um, sometimes that's called a review. Sometimes there's a review of, of the person's most recent life or lifetimes. And these are not punishing things. These are for insight. No, that's we're so used to an idea of and this you know this old testament stuff we're so used to the idea of a punishing judgmental god and never ever ever in all of these spiritual processes have i ever heard anything like that you know there is you know we are we are a part of the creative force of the universe and we're in the process of perfecting ourselves and we're doing that through experience and um so anyway yes i and then and then what happens is after there's after the council uh discusses you know the various aspects of maybe what you want to do in the coming lifetime or what would be best or how could you serve someone else whatever it is there is an agreement made and a kind of a contract that you make for coming in and um however if it becomes too much and people do tend to take on too much just you know if it becomes too much you can always adapt that contract it's 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 not written in in stone so to speak it's not but it's certainly a direction and it's certainly where you determine the circumstances of your birth and what kind of dna you're going to need and who your siblings will be and you know that kind of thing hmm. um i i mean i you know one of the things that kids can't imagine is me agreeing to this particular life mm-hmm. i would have chose like being hugh hefner <laughs> Well, maybe that would have been a, uh, if you had been Hugh Hefner, maybe that would have been more of a banal, uh, non-spiritual journey, and you maybe didn't need that. You know, this is all, you you know, I, I think we would reach a great shift in consciousness if we would all begin to understand that our lives are learning exercises that we have primarily put in place by our own free will. 
So then imagine you can stop bitching about your mother. Maybe, maybe I had the mother I had because I just needed some kind of DNA. I had a crazy mother, but she was from a line of wise women and highly gifted psychics that goes back to, you know, ancient Sweden. So I know why I needed my mother. I wanted that DNA. And then, and then, you know, I, I think, I think we're going to come into a time of not only taking responsibility for our world and the condition that it's in, but taking responsibility for the lives that we are, that we are generating and transforming right now. Yeah, I, I think one of the keys to, to, for, to doing that is kind of what's going on with some of these uh, experience um, with experiencers. And also, I think more and more people, too, are becoming willing to kind of step outside of everyday life and trying to view things from a higher perspective, mm-hmm. you know, in, those, in, in the form of having multiple lives and or in the form of, um, you know, look at our, try to look at ourselves through the eyes of some, some type of benevolent entity that mm-hmm. exists outside of space and time. Yes. And, you know, remember that, you know, this is the, this is what the fifth age of Earth, we have reached other points in Earth of, of technical sophistication. And either through our own stupidity or, or through natural catastrophe, uh, we were reset, you know, to ground zero a couple of times. And um, so the idea of, of reincarnation seems to be a very basic idea of mankind in fact even the early christian church until the council of nicaea accepted reincarnation as a doctrine i mean and you know when jesus says throughout the bible i shall come again you know i mean this is what does that mean i'm in one physical body now and i'm going to come back in another physical body so i mean it's it's uh it's a um it's a very ancient belief system, and I think it's, I think we ourselves all know intuitively that we have had multiple lives. So what are some of the main points that have been revealed to you through your work as a past life regressionist and your work with experiencers? Well, as far as past life regression, um, I am constantly amazed by how the subconscious mind reveals the lifetimes that the person in my chair needs to hear about at that time for that point that they're in in their life right now. And uh, so we have, we are able to connect with universal knowledge and we don't give ourselves enough credit. But usually in a past life regression, um, unless someone comes to me with a specific thing about, you know, I'm looking for a lifetime where I knew this other person and I've had these dreams, unless they come in with a specific thing, I just let their consciousness go where it needs to go. And so I guess one of the one of the big things that I've realized is the intelligence and the beauty and the um, ability to connect to universal consciousness that we have 
once we go into an altered state, uh, a, a, a spiritually altered state. So that's one of the big things. Um, I think another thing is um, you, you can't run from your issues forever because there are many people that seem to be, you know, caught up in the same drama over and over and over again, and even with the same people. And so, you know, it, here we have an example that it's a universe of free will. We can choose to come in and go through the same BS over and over and over again, if we wish to, until we decide to make a change. So I guess universe of free will, um, uh, no punishing God, um, the, um, uh, the ability to um, the ability to take responsibility for our choices when we come into this life. Those are some of the big ones about reincarnation. Um, and as far as what I have what I have learned and taken away from all this work with experiencers, I have to tell you, Gary, I feel like I know nothing. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm always learning every time someone comes to my treatment space and goes through part of their journey, I hear new things. And um, I think the biggest thing that I would like your, your um, listeners to take away with them today is that there is no reason for fear. If you are out there and you have missing time, or if you feel that maybe you have had some types of encounters, but it's not clear, if you're thinking there's something wrong with you or you're insane, stop thinking that way. Because we now estimate that maybe two thirds of the people on the planet Earth have had encounters of some sort. They just don't always remember them, but it's massive. So, and, and fear will stop Fear in general will stop any kind of development or progress. Fear is the killer. And so a lot of what I do with these individuals, both in past life regression and in any other explorations, including ET explorations, it's my job to remove the fear factor. And so one of the ways that we do that is if someone begins to go through a, a um, disturbing encounter or if anything begins to bother them or if I, I'm watching all the physiological signs, I immediately will turn that individual into an observer. And as an observer, they can see what's going on. They can see the examination table. They can see everything, but they're disassociated emotionally. And that way, that allows them to process the experience without further trauma and then to release any fears associated. So there's nothing to be afraid of if you, if you are a person who thinks they may be getting ready to explore some of these things with whoever um, feels right to you. Um, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Knowledge is power. Hmm. Do you think that all the extraterrestrials out there are benevolent, or do you think there are some that are do not have our best interests? Oh, I think it's just like I, I think it's just like we are. I think it's a mashup. 
you know, but I think the ones that are trying to communicate with us consciously or subconsciously, rather, that I, I think that they are all of a benevolent nature. And I also think that we have really strong genetic connections, you know, having been seeded probably by the Anunnaki who were from the Lyran system. And, you know, we're, we're related to these Pleiadians. They're, they're like, they keep saying we're like, we're your cousins is what they keep saying. And I think that to, to a certain extent, they feel a sense of responsibility for us and, and want, to, want to help us along but I also think there's a prime directive, just like, uh, you know, just like in Gene Roddenberry's universe. I, I think they have kind of a hands-off thing. And it's, isn't it just like when you're raising kids, you can't do everything for them. You have to let them make mistakes, you know, and that's one of the hardest things about parenting. And I imagine that's one of the hardest things about being a benevolent ET, uh, looking down at your, your progeny, I guess, if you will. They have to let us make our own mistakes and learn. That's, that's what's going on. So I think that the beings that we engage with are primarily of a benevolent nature. Now, um, there have been some real big battles with greys from what I have heard, different kinds of greys. Remember, there are so many, right? There's mm -hmm. so many types of greys. Um, uh, Randy Kramer told me about what they call the Battle of Phobos. A real aggress some real aggressive greys had a base on, on Phobos, the moon of... Uh, what is Phobos the moon of? Damn it. Well, anyway, they, bo <laughs> they bombed them out. They just, they just, they just they just destroyed them. It was a huge battle, and we, with our combined forces, battled these these very nasty, aggressive greys who had no good, were up to no good. Now, I have also heard about um, certain aggressive reptilians. I know there are benevolent reptilians, but there are also an element of very aggressive reptilians that seem to be trying to enter to our solar system, but uh, so far have been kept under control. Some of these, some of these reptilians apparently um, have very strong what we call psionic abilities. In other words, they can they can make you think that there's ten thousand of them when there are you know a thousand of them or or five hundred of them. Mm -hmm. So they are able to alter um, their their foe's perception of reality by by using a kind of projected I guess you could call it a hypnosis technique I, I you know I'm but it's something else that's interesting um, we mentioned that like bases on the moon and Mars do the aliens have bases here on earth I think that they do, from what I have heard. And it, there's a good possibility that quite a few of them are underwater. That makes sense. That, you know, because there's no, you know, they, there's no chance of a human being intruding. And if you can move through outer space, you can certainly move through water. You know, it's, it's you know, so they have that technology. So I do feel that... Um, that there are ET bases, but I, but I think that the government knows all about, it. I think it's, I don't think there's, I think it's with the total permission 
of our existing governments. Hmm. Um, do you think, um, you know, like one of the things that you just had, had mentioned too is about, you know, the five, you know, um, things with, with the humans, which is fully consistent with the Sumerian and the Hopi um, mm-hmm. creation yes. stories. Mm-hmm. Do you think that some of these aliens were actually us from one of those hot, when we were advanced? Um, do you mean that? Do you mean did did us did did us being you you or myself did we experience lives as say an Anunnaki? Is um, that what you mean, or are we so long lived? Or, or are we being contacted by ourselves from one of the previous? Oh, um, Epochs, you know that kind of thinking gives me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle it, Gary. I can't handle it. Um, well, um, I think the souls have journeys, right? But I also think that there are beings that are incredibly long-lived. Um, you know, depending on where they you know where they evolve and according you know and the Anunnaki the ancient Sumerians uh, were long lived uh, look at the records in the Bible of their progeny including Noah you know he was he was in that family tree so I but they weren't immortal in long lived but not immortal so my feeling is that that I would say no to that but you know, it's it's time is 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 not linear. It's it's plastic and it's subjective and it is not linear. It's uh, it's it's something else. It's more like an onion, like things happening simultaneously. I think mm-hmm. than it is than it in one moment of creation rather than a timeline, so to speak, of linear time. But we need linear time on planet Earth to progress and to do stuff and to show up. We have to have it when we're in the physical density. We have to have linear time to make it work. Hmm. So, so how does hypnosis help these experiencers? Does it just help them to recall the events and that begins the healing process? Or is there more to it than that? Well, of course, that is the main, the main thing is to, is to um, relieve the question marks and the worries about any sort of missing time or what have you but yes that's that's probably the biggest part integrating the experiences and relieving fear but the rest of it is is really about rebuilding that person's self-esteem and confidence because many experiencers have come to believe that they that they are mentally ill when they're not and, and, you know, experiencers can have a wide variety of functionality. You know, some I've had judges and attorneys and doctors, but I've also had people who can, who are on assistance and who can barely function. So there is a, there is a scope of, um, of um, behavior going on amongst experiencers but the whole thing you know the, the whole thing is about the healing it's about releasing the trauma reinstating feelings of safety and self-esteem 
um, dealing with any symptomology that has come from being experienced or insomnia, anxiety, depression, nightmares. You know, there there's often a whole realm of behavioral disturbances that I have to get rid of once the person understands uh, that they are unique and that there are reasons for these various experiences, then then the healing can really begin. Mm-hmm. So it's an intellectual, an emotional, and a spiritual journey, I would have to say. Interesting. One of my things that I want to try for 2022 is, is a past life regression. But my reason for wanting to do it is because I want to know what my purpose is in life and so I can achieve it as quickly as possible to kind of put an end to this reincarnation cycle. Mm -hmm. Many people are coming to the end of their cycle now, by the way. That's a feeling. Well, you probably would get more of the answers that you're seeking with an interlife regression would be my guess because that's where it really gets down to the nitty-gritty about what you're doing here mm-hmm. why you're here now why you're here with the family you came in with that there would be probably more answers to those questions in an interlife regression hmm. when you do a session like like can all this be achieved in one session does it take multiple sessions um the interlife regression, we, we do that in one session because it's about a specific time period uh, between your last life and this life. But people often come to me to explore different past lives. I try, when someone comes to me for a past life regression, I try to take them to three lifetimes. But again, that depends on how much detail they are giving me at each individual lifetime because it's not it's not really very healthy to keep someone in trance in deep trance longer than an hour it takes them too long to reintegrate back into you know feeling uh, like they're grounded in earth on earth so um an interlife regression would generally be a one time uh situation and in past life regressions Although I do my best to take you to three lifetimes, sometimes it's less, but that's only because I'm getting an awful lot of good information. Hmm. Could you do a interlife session via Zoom? I could, and I have. Okay. Would, you, only... would, would you be willing to do that on sure. an episode with me so I could record it? Um. I wouldn't want, there's a way to do it, and you could figure this out. I wouldn't want anyone to see the induction part. Well, no, I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I would just record the part that you wouldn't, you know. I would record oh, yeah. it, and I would just cut out the parts that you wanted me to cut out. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Because I just pre-record so, everything. Just so the part isn't there where, um, where I'm putting you in trance. Mm-hmm. Then after that, that's totally up to you. We could do that. The only the only thing that I, that I like to request is that um that you have somebody uh trustworthy open that is standing by so that in case the internet connection is down for any reason it can be reestablished mm-hmm. without you coming out of trance mm. 
is there someone who would do that? I could look around and see. I mean, I live by myself, but, you know. Mm-hmm. I but a friend that could to. come in or a like-minded person, you know, maybe listen. Just somebody, that, somebody that's not judgmental that would be able to reestablish the Zoom connection. Yeah, um, I could if, find somebody. Yeah, that's otherwise it, it actually works. <laughs> I, I, I want to give this a try. Maybe I can okay. knock out my purpose in this lifetime and get it all over with. Why not? Many people don't want to come back again. Many people are here for this specific time period, which, um, you know, the year of disclosure is coming. It's here. It's coming. It's also exhausting. It is exhausting. (laughs) I'm exhausted, as a matter of fact. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It is. It is. So much ajita. God, what I wouldn't give for a slice of Jersey pizza right now. Oh. People think New Yorkers have the El, the quarter iron pizza. I got to tell you, the best Italian food in the world, in the world, even outside of Italy, is in New Jersey. Absolutely, it is. And I would say within best. one square mile, there's probably about fifty pizza places oh. where I live. And it's all the beautiful it big crust. With that was the, the best thing about moving back to New Jersey. The first thing I did is I got pizza. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And Chinese food, too. We actually have... Oh, God, yes. (laughs) We got the best of ever... You know, New Jersey is an eaten uh, eaten place, and we have the best of everything. Um, And the... And, and if you want to if you want to go deli if you want the Jewish mm-hmm. deli we got all that you know we got everything but uh, no one there is no better Italian food on the globe than in New Jersey that, that is definitely right. true yeah yeah <laughs> uh, Alabama was not much for food they had seafood well, and they had barbecue that was it yeah and a lot of you know I mean everything's deep fried I like mine deep fried even mm-hmm. the Turkey, Christmas turkey gets deep fried well, down there sometimes. Where I was at is like the only places to eat is really is, is McDonald's and Waffle House. Oh. That's it. Like, like those are your you choices. Know? Like, well, let's go to McDonald's and we're going to go to Waffle House. Oh, my God. And they both, they both suck. How did you, how did you endure it? I don't know. But anyway, thank God you're back. <laughs> Thank God you're back in civilization. (laughs) You're back. (laughs) All Um, right. So when you're doing, um, you know, I recently finished reading a book on on like the Akashic Records. Mm -hmm. Um, Does some of this past life information and stuff like that come from the Akashic Records, do you think? Well, I think that all information is is stored in the akashic records so in other words um there are psychics you know that can you know tune into your past lives for you and say oh i see you here and i see you there and i see you here so the information is there to be read um but i believe that we carry our own history in the deep memory centers of our body and maybe even external to our body in, in, in some way. But I believe that we, we carry these, these, um, these memories, but as a human being, as a being, as a soul, we can connect with the Akashic records anytime that we wish to. 
If there's a question we have, we can go into a deep meditative state. We can, we can focus our query and we can call upon our guides or whatever for help. And then the, the answer will, will appear. We, we are able to do this. We've just come to, be, we've come to believe, thanks to the you know, so-called religions of the world, we have come to believe that we can't go direct. And we can. And I'm a good Catholic girl. I'm an Irish. I'm a good Catholic girl, believe me. But um, the the whole the whole Catholic Church became about intermediaries. Mm -hmm. You couldn't go directly. You couldn't pray directly to God. You had to go through the priest. Uh, Now, I don't think confession was necessarily a bad thing because there were no psychiatrists or anything in the Middle Ages. Maybe confession. God knows I always felt better. Maybe it's a, it's a good thing. But intercession with God, not, uh, no, no female priests, the idea of, of these bizarre ideas of, um, of, you know, chastity and poverty and all that, and then corrupt popes, you know, completely corrupt, lascivious, awful popes, except for the one we have now who has probably been sent by God himself. I yeah, think. I do like I'm, Francis. I'm very fond of him, and but you know that that old that old construct of lies may collapse in our in our lifetime. It may. He I, may I think be so. The last pope. He may be the last pope. I, I do think that one of the things that's definitely changed in my lifetime and in your lifetime is that you know we were raised like the only way to deal with the spiritual stuff was through these intermediaries, priests, rabbis. That's right. Even mystics and psychics. And now it's like people are starting to figure out that they can do it themselves. They can. And it's far more beneficial to do it yourself because you grow from it. That's right. We were, you know, we were simply being controlled by the greed of the day, you know, and and this is exactly what's happening right now. The greed and the top 1% who are controlling all the wealth of the world, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, I think uh, the, the crusty old men that are the ancient despots that are, that are controlling the world's finances have to be brought down. We're, we're going to, have, well, you know, if there, once we have free energy, you know that changes everything. And yeah. we do have free energy. Um, the the governments of the world are terrified of it because of the collapse of of um, the possible collapse of the economy when there are no longer primitive fossil fuels. And you imagine Trump, you know, wanted to go back to coal. Yeah, let's go right back to coal. In fact, I'll be sending my sons down the colliery. I'll be sending them right down. Don't worry, I know you're only twelve. It's okay. Right down the mine you go. <laughs> yeah, the coal the coal thing was definitely silly. There's a whole a whole lot more that we could do and more jobs that we could create than just using coal. And and the free energy, I, I it's been around. You know, I think they killed Tesla because he was trying to get it out. I do, I do. They they definitely. Well, he was pretty eccentric, but they may not have killed him, but they certainly stole his research. Yeah. That's without, that's without question. 
That is without question. And and the Serbians are still completely uptight and won't let anybody look at what they do have. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting too because he also says that he got a lot of his knowledge from telepathic communication with extraterrestrials. I believe him. I do too. I believe I believe he was probably a very special, you know, maybe what we would call a star seed, you know, somebody who an enlightened soul who came into a physical being to bring us to a new technological awareness. I, I think he was here for a purpose to really bring us into uh, uh, the the modern era, you know, with light and energy and electricity. And, and he was, you know, he was first before Edison. Edison was, a, you know, duffer compared to Tesla. He was a crook. He was. He was a, he was a crook. Yeah. And a racist. Yeah. Yeah, he was a he was a terrible dude. So anyway, there you go. So uh, <laughs> well, that would be a wonderful thing to do to take you to, on an inner life and allow your peeps to hear it if you choose to, and uh, you just think about who you would like to join you, and uh, we will um, we'll make a plan. That would be fantastic. I'd love to do that. Awesome. So, and, uh, so before we wrap it up, um, where is the best place for my listeners to find you? Well, you can always reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com. And that's all one word, lightworkhypnosis.com. You can always email me. And um, you can always get me on Facebook, either uh as Leslie Mitchell Clark or as Lightwork Hypnosis. I have two, you know, Facebook pages. So I'm always available. And um, I, as I said earlier, I, it doesn't have to be to book a session. If you just have a question mm -hmm. or something you want to run by me, um, we're here. I'm here, the midwife of disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how about the books? Are the books well, on your website, the on Amazon? Yes. Um, yes, indeed. Um, uh, there, the uh, my most recent book, written with Wes Roberts, is called Intersection: A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact, and it is available on Amazon.com oh, or wherever it. you Amazon. And um, and Wes has just written a new book, which I will mention because it's incredible, and it's called An Experiencer's Garden. And that's by Wes Roberts, and that's also available on Amazon.com or .ca or hmm. wherever you Amazon. Is he available so, for interviews? He is indeed. Is I he, bet he'd love to talk to you. Yeah, or you could both come on at the same time if you wanted to. Well, I, that would be wonderful. But Wes, is, you would, uh, um, I can have, um, you know, Michelle can send you a mm -hmm. uh, PDF of, of Wes's book. And mine too, if you don't have it. But she mm -hmm. has she has the PDF, and she can send that to you. I, I, I just buy them on Amazon. It's so oh, much easier. Nice. Well, it's just easy to read it on a Kindle too. I can't stand reading PDFs. Yeah, and it's a nice support too. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So, please reach out to me if you if you choose. And uh, remember, knowledge is power. There's really nothing to be afraid of. And also, your childhood memories are not accurate. There's probably more fear-based stuff going on than actually happened. So um, 
there you go. And let's move ahead in, in unity and uh, get our vibration where it should be and clean up our own mess. Yeah. Just like I told my kids when they were growing up. Clean up your mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, geez, I got to clean my house. <laughs> well, Gary, thank you so much for uh, for welcoming me welcoming me today, and uh, it was just a delight to talk to you. And uh, um, I look forward to uh, to any of our activities in the future. Yeah, my pleasure. It was great talking to you. I'm glad we uh, had this opportunity, and I'm looking forward to doing the inner life regression. Absolutely. Okay, man. Well, you take care, and you, you too. Uh, Remember, we are not alone. I we remember. are not alone. Okay. <laughs> All right. just, just hang on for one second because I have to play the okay. outro. Remember, 